Since 1982, the Blue Door Shelters has been providing safe and supportive emergency housing for people experiencing homelessness in Toronto. And their work has received much deserved acclaim. But with the problem of homelessness unrelenting, the organization decided to try something new, a social enterprise designed to promote jobs, opportunity, and hope for many. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. As part of our ongoing series on changemakers using innovative tools to tackle homelessness, a particularly timely topic as the holiday season approaches and COVID marches on, on today's episode, we speak with Michael Braithwaite, CEO of Blue Door. In our conversation, Michael shares his frustration with the intractable issue of homelessness in Toronto and the work Blue Door is doing to alleviate the struggles. Michael then explains why he launched a social enterprise and how the innovative approach can give people the tools they need to build a more sustainable future. I always thought, as average Canadian does, of homelessness as downtown Toronto person on the street corner, sleeping bag, asking for change. But as I learned more, I understood that in my household, there was four kids. Three of us uh, you know, went through life without any major struggles, I, I like to think, and and uh, move forward, but my uh, my older sister, since the age of 16, has been in and out of homelessness, um, precarious housing, that kind of thing, still to this day. And so I reflect back now, um, she's in stable housing now, um, but had you know the prevention services been there and other services been there, it probably would have not only prevented her from a life uh, time of going in and out of homelessness, but also it would have you know saved. Uh, a lot of money as well because it was very expensive to keep uh, supporting her throughout that journey and she would be the first to tell you that. Wow, um, absolutely. And I can see how that would uh, push you forward in this in, in the career you've chosen. What about you came to Blue Door where you're at now. Um, how long ago have you been there? And tell us a bit more about Blue Door and the mission and vision, that type of thing. Yeah, sure. It's just been under two years since I've been at Blue Door. Uh, Blue Door's organization that's been up in York Region, just north of Toronto, uh, been operating for over 37 years, so a long time, mostly in the space of emergency housing. Um, and they'll house uh, close to 500 people a year, which is amazing in a really, really tough climate. In, in York Region, uh, it's estimated on any given night there's about 1,500 people who experience homelessness. Um, and, and so we primarily work with families, with adult men uh, and youth and seniors. Um, and it's a great collaboration up in New York region because everyone takes a little piece. There's a lot of collaborative uh, effort happening. And I had worked uh, prior to that, I'd worked with Raising the Roof and with 360 Kids, which is another group in New York region. And when I was at 360 Kids, I always saw Blue Door and thought, what an amazing organization. It could do so much more, do so much more. And then you know, when that the opportunity comes around to say, well, then do it. You can do it. If you're saying it could, then make it happen. And, and yeah, there, there's uh, in the last couple of years, we've pivoted not only from uh, operating 106 of the 160 emergency beds to secondary housing, to repurposing existing housing, to uh, adding different programs and to adding 
a social enterprise that will hopefully not only lift people out of poverty, but also help fund new initiatives around preventing and ending homelessness. Which actually was a question I was going to get to after, but let's get it to now. Um, tell us a bit more about that social enterprise that it launched when and how does it work and yeah, tell us more about that. It's uh, something I always we talked about this earlier. How I'm always looking for, uh, you know, unique and, and and different ways of of tackling challenges that are are so um, you know ingrained in our society that we just sort of accept as is you know status quo. It is what it is. We can't do anything about it. But but like you, I think um, you, know, you know there are things that we can do, and there's new ways of looking at tackling this issue, um, and uh, social enterprise is one of them. So, yeah, tell us more about that. Absolutely, there's new ways, and I think that's one of the things that always drives me is that too often we get around the table with our sector peers and all we do is complain and point fingers, right, which gets us not a lot further forward, right? And and also, we well, we're a charity. You know, we can't only do so much. We can't. We're not a business. You absolutely are a business. You're just operating a little differently with your bottom line. Um, and with social enterprise, listen, I think quite often everyone when we talk about innovation or original ideas, think it has to be absolutely original. No one's ever done or touched it. And, and no, and when I really think of most of the ideas that I've had, they're not my original ideas. They're ones I've borrowed from people that are a lot smarter than I am who have already demonstrated success. And it's simply, and, and my uh, my experience is when you ask those people, hey, can I borrow that idea and take it? And all they want is to do good. Right. And so they're like, absolutely, of course, you know, do credit, right? So with our social enterprise, um, I learned a lot from, from failure, right? And over the years working with employment programs, that we said, okay, hey, you know, we're going to take this uh, individual barriers to employment and we're going to define any job. And so we put them in a job, entry-level job. It, it, it doesn't have a lot of meaning to them. They're not making a living wage. And we wonder why it fails, right? We don't pull them out of poverty and, and that homelessness doesn't end. So it, that, that kind of thing drives me crazy. What's the real solution here? Are we just, let's stop patching holes. Uh, and so I saw a social enterprise when I was at Raising the Roof. I worked with a group called Building Up. And Mark Sobrano, I get, I, I get energized by Mark, I think, is about 27, 28, in his early 20s, said, you know, took an idea from Winnipeg and did the same thing. But I love when young people take that risk and really go out there and do it. So I, I asked Mark, he had this building up social enterprise concept where really you're a social contractor. So you're a, a builder, a contractor that, that goes out and builds and renovates and does different uh, jobs like that, except not only are you doing it, you're actually training a bunch of people along the way that can be launched into trades. And why is that important too? Yes, you're lifting people uh, out of poverty, but you're also, there's a massive gap in the trades, right? Like we can't build infrastructure, and especially during a pandemic when your, your infrastructure plays a large part, and we can't build new housing if we don't have the people, and they don't have the people. So we're filling that gap too, so everyone wins. But I asked Mark, who had success with it, I said, would you take this north of Steeles, which is the border between Toronto and New York? He said, yeah, I don't really have an interest. I said, all right, great. Can I do it? And, and will you help? And he said, yeah, I'll help. And he was all in. He said, people helped me and I helped others. And and so Construct for Blue Door was born. And what I love about it is that it does a few things. It, it gives us that real, like people are getting meaningful work. They're um, making, uh, they'll make a good wage. They'll have a career they could take anywhere. It truly lifts them out of poverty. 
And it generates revenue for Bluenor then to go build housing and do different things. We become less reliant on government sources, which is so cool. And if I think about it, I never thought about it before. One of the oldest uh, social enterprises probably uh, in the world is the YMCA. The YMCA is a social enterprise. And when I worked there, uh, child care and employment received uh, money from the government. But the biggest revenue generator was membership, right? It was actually their their fitness facilities, and they were able to use that money to actually do a lot of social good right it was a smart model and and we it gave us more control over what we do and how we can do that good and so the same thing with this if we can actually generate dollars to purchase housing fix housing um we want to be in in five years my vision is for us to be a full-scale contractor that's building uh many homes throughout uh, the, the gta and the cool thing about it too is that there's now 10 of us who've come together because I think together, you know, we're, we're stronger across the country. What I did when we started this is we pitched the idea to Home Depot. They're all about homelessness prevention. And we have this idea. What if instead of giving money to a variety of different places, you had this collective impact where you gave, say, $100,000 to each of these organizations, a million dollars that you're giving to put 100 people into the trade or whatever it is. And and they said, we love it. And, and we'll, we'll call it trade work. So it's powered by the Home Depot. And so now you have government funds coming in to help with the trainees. You have your own revenue coming in, but you also have money from the private sector uh, helping to, to drive that as well. That's amazing. And so where are you at now? Did you just recently launch? So it uh, might be a premature question in terms of impact so far. So um, curious where your new your first first project is. Where is it at? Well, we started, so we kicked off, we meant to kick off in uh, April, and we had right away, it, it, just, it was the, quickest I've ever seen um, support come for a project, right? Because we had federal, provincial, private money before we even started, which is great. And so we started, uh, because of COVID, we were delayed. We were now have two cohorts of eight working. Uh, they're doing a series of projects in the New York region. The region itself is looking at collective impact. So they're looking at, the region of York is looking at, hey, when we hand out contracts, we want to build in that they give a piece of that to uh, the construct program to for community benefits. Uh, so it's been great the testimonials, but starting small, right? So we'll do, uh, we've done uh, landscaping to garbage bins, to painting and bathrooms and that kind of thing. And what we do ourselves with people is like, you can work with any contractor, but if you work with us, our, our, our participants are not doing the majority of the work. It's done by experts, but we're going to bring in six to eight people to watch and train. But so you're going to get quality work for the same price but you're going to be a community champion. So why not? Why not? Um, and people are, yeah, people are buying in to say, and you know what, here's the thing during COVID right now, people are caring more about the spaces they're in because they're spending more time in the space they're in, whether this in the, the summer it was outside, but now it's, Hey, I'm going to be, it looks like it's going to be a long winter. Um, so please come in and help me help my space be a little more livable. Uh, so it's been a, a great, great reception. And I think we'll, we'll already, we're looking, I think we have about 64 people that we'll put through this year uh, in our first cohort of eight, five to six youth are already accepted into unions. trade, And that's the idea, trade unions. Um, and with the two others still a work in progress, right? So it, it's had great success. Amazing. That's great. Um, and, and just to take a step back, what would you say um, the people that you serve in at Blue Door, whether through the social enterprise or otherwise, what are in your mind the top challenges that they're facing on their day-to-day basis? Well, it, it's something that, that people need to know too when they think of uh, people experiencing homelessness. And we always say 
people experiencing because we want people to recognize the person first, right? Not, yes. not label them as. And it's important because once an individual labels themselves as homeless, that's a slippery slope, right? That's who I am now. That's who I'll be. Um, so a person experiencing homelessness is coming into 80% of people that come into Blue Door and other organizations uh, similar. Um, it's a one-time experience. They come in, they're, they're housed fairly quickly, and they never come back into the system again, emergency housing. Uh, but there's 20% that are chronically homeless, which are six months plus. And I think a lot of that comes down to the preventative work wasn't done. Um, so they were evicted. Uh, there's family breakdown that leads them into that, uh, human trafficking, uh, mental health issues that weren't intended to, and there's no, um, they don't have a link to the, the health services they need to get well um, moving forward. And, you know, addictions certainly plays a part around the mental health uh, aspect of things. Um, but yeah, we see a variety of different things. For many families, it's just around affordability or family breakdown. Uh, and for adult men, hey, there's not a lot of sympathy for adult men experiencing homelessness. But I tell people, hey, don't think of them as a person experiencing homelessness. Think of them as uh, your brother, your grandfather, their father. This is who these are their people first, right? Yeah. So many pathways in, Lisa, but not as many out. And we aim to change that. What about the challenges as far as the people like yourself, the people working um, in this field? What are the greatest challenges that are really making it a difficult uh, for you to do the work that you want to do or to achieve the vision that you have? Well, here, here's the thing, right? So right now, vacancy in New York region for rental units, I think it's around 2%, right? Like, so there's a very low vacancy rate. And for the rentals that are available, the, the cost of renting those is far above uh, what most of our, our clients will ever ever make, right? Uh, so there's a big difference there. And, and even if they can afford the rent, usually there's you know they're being compared to people who have great credit uh, credit scores, uh, who have identification, who have a rental history, a good rental history, right? If you're fleeing from an abuser, and I mean you might have had to leave your ID behind, you've got no credit history. Like there's a lot of different things right so it's very very difficult and when i say when we talk to landlords to say hey how can you know there's a few people with big hearts but honestly for most people it's a business so am i going to take that person with a great credit score who i i hope i won't have any challenges with or am i going to take that risk right so it's a mind-bending kind of thing how do we actually open rental unless it's designated but to convince landlords to work with We've got to think of different strategies. We've got to make it financially appealing to them, um, and they've got to want to be community champions, but also to builders, too, right now. Too, the big thing is not a lot of people build rental because the payoff is a lot slower than building condos, right? So how do we put financial incentives in place? And that's the reality of what's needed. So people want or there's purpose-built rental, and that's, that's a huge challenge in our field when – you have thousands of people in, in need of housing. And let's, the, the reality is housing is the most affordable and effective way with supports, with, with different supports for everyone, to end homelessness, as I'm sure you've heard many times. Yeah, yeah agreed, agreed. Um, so what needs to happen, and maybe you just answered the question already in a sense, but I'll, I'll pose it again. What needs to happen in your mind um, for real change to occur in our communities um, when it comes to homelessness? 
Well, it's, it's, a, it's all around political will and resources. I mean, this is a very, very solvable issue. And I've been saying this a lot lately. If we look at something like COVID-19, and if I said to you, I have the cure for, I have the vaccine for COVID, but, you know, I'm going to choose not to use it because the timing's not there, and I don't want to put the resources into it, people would lose their minds, as they should, right? Because people are getting very sick, some people are, people are dying. But if you look at homelessness, we have the solution, and people are dying. Uh, the opioid crisis, which is linked into homelessness as well, um, thousands die each year. But why are we not up in arms as Canadians, right? It really is that political will and resources. And we saw in COVID when the government did kick in those resources and had the will to get people housed because, hey, stay at home to stay healthy. If you don't have a home, it's impossible. So they did that. We housed thousands of people across the GTA in a matter of months in which normally would take years, right? So we can do this. We can do it quick. It's a very solvable issue. And so we need, uh, yes, we have our, we have um, the national housing strategy, but uh we, we need to move on it quicker and we need to take, uh, we need to invest more and uh, make it less complicated and, and let the people that are doing brilliant work do that work and homelessness. Do you hope for the future? I mean, with all that being said, I mean, what do you, what do you feel about what's coming down, you know, the pike? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm an optimist. I think absolutely. <laughs> I think the silver lining out of this pandemic is, Hey, we can actually do this. You've seen it. We're buying hotels. We're changing things up. We're doing modular housing. The government announced a billion dollars to build 300 units. I, I absolutely think there's countries like Finland who are very close to ending it, but it, it didn't happen overnight. It took them 15 years to work towards going from 600 shelter beds to 52, and not because they, they actually built a variety of different affordable housing options, right? So very doable, and there's some brilliant people across this country and, and, and real uh, inspirational people doing great work that we're going to make this happen. Great. I like hearing that kind of thing. So that makes me uh, happy to hear. Um, and talking about those great, inspiring people around the country and beyond, you speak to some of those people um, and you have your own podcast that uh, is is wonderful. And I wanted to just give a shout out to that. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. Uh, so we have a podcast called Out of the Blue um, and actually some big changes coming to it shortly that will take it to even a broader audience. But really, it's around all things housing, homelessness and health. And we've talked to uh, it's a weekly podcast. And we talk to some of the most brilliant people from around the world who are all willing to share uh, some of the solutions they've seen, some of the challenges, even lived experts who have lived through it, come through the other side, some heartbreaking but but wonderful stories. Um, you know, so it's it's been uh, it's been great, and I think really uh, the biggest compliment we've had so far is uh, from one of our uh, John Fox um, who joined us and said it's a masterclass on housing, and, and uh, that's a, that's a huge compliment. That's what we want it to be. We, what we want from the podcast is we believe that if that Canadians are, are in general, generally just good, good people. They just don't know. Their they're thought of homelessness is that downtown Toronto person. And while that is, it's so much more. And if they knew, they'd take action. And that's what we want to do with this podcast is create that edu education awareness. So uh, we've been doing it for a year. And hopefully it's uh, we've got a few people listening. And we should all subscribe to that podcast. And we should all check out Blue Door as well to find out more information uh, on uh, the work you do as well as Construct, the social enterprise, which we're definitely going to be uh, hearing a lot more about, I am sure, in the future. So thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. No, no, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to speak
Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Beerbaum.